1: good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, October 17, 2023. Man, we're already more than halfway uh, through October. We're two weeks away from uh, Halloween. I mean, come on, man. (laughs) you know but i tell you this i said this yesterday i'm loving this weather this is we're having a fall i mean it is we're really having some good weather uh we're going to get some foliage i think Uh, the leaves are starting to turn there's starting to be some color we're having cool nights uh the temperatures during the day are pleasant so it's really really nice and uh, i'm enjoying it i'll tell you that but welcome into the program we got a jam-packed show for you today we um got some great guests and uh, some terrific topics Nick Saban Monday press conference yesterday Justin and Noah have those clips ready to roll so we'll we'll get to those for sure and uh, we're excited about what we have but before we do any of that let me tell you that this hour the Gary Harris show brought to you as always by Alabama Credit Union member owned and not for profit it really is just a better way of banking i invite you to find out more at alabamacu.com That's alabamacu.com, or get by this and see them at one of their many locations. I think it's 34 locations in the state of Alabama and in Pensacola, Florida. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money and pull extra change in your pocket. All right, it's busy today, 9.30. The Rocket Man, Rudy Arman from 977 ESPN Radio on Huntsville where he co-hosts Talking Ball with Scott Tyson every weekday mornings. He also has a recruiting show. He'll join us to talk some ball at 9.30. Then at 10 o'clock, it's our Patterson Comer free legal service segment. Paul Patterson will be in studio and uh, always enjoy visiting with Paul. We do it uh, every couple of weeks and uh, and it's been really had a great response to the segment. You're welcome to call in with questions if you want to, to talk with Paul there won't be any uh you know commitment or anything you just call in and and ask a question our topic today if you're in a car accident are you required to give the insurance company a recorded statement there's a lot of things that people don't understand about insurance and accidents what you should say what you should do what you should not do and whether you should give a recorded statement stay tuned for that at 10 o'clock this morning then it's the titans report With Kayla Anderson, she's back from London. She was across the pond covering Tennessee versus Baltimore. And, uh, boy, Tennessee right now offensively is is just a mess. I mean, it's just no other way around it. Um, Tannehill got hurt. He wasn't playing well to begin with. They brought in Malik Willis. And, I mean, that was a disaster at quarterback. I mean, a disaster. I mean, the guy wouldn't throw the ball away. He He wouldn't run out of bounds and stop the clock. They had a chance still to win that game. I thought Derrick Henry had another nice game, despite the fact that they don't really have a passing game and their offensive line is suspect. I'm going to ask her if they should trade Derrick Henry. I really think they should, but we'll see. We'll we'll discuss that. As I said, Nick Saban, Monday Presser yesterday. We've got clips of that. Your phone calls, of course, are welcome on the First to Main Condominiums hotline, 205-342-9904. That's 205-242-9904. 342-9904. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. First to condominiums, luxury condominiums, and beautiful historic downtown Northport. Find out more at firstdomaincondos.com or give them a call at 205-657-7465. Live where I live at First of Main condominiums in beautiful historic downtown Northport, Alabama. All right, so we're off and running. Uh, the Crimson Tide, of course, continuing preparations for the third Saturday night October matchup. Um, I tell you what, Justin, let's go ahead. I think we probably ought to do this every day. And like I said, I'm going to get Nick Adam on. I'm, I've, I meant to call him yesterday. He is the guy who, when he was interning for me at WVUA-23, he shot the interview with this guy. He shot the interview. This was way back, and I want to say like 07, 08. So he didn't get... Uh, you know, the internet wasn't as big then. Somebody got a hold of it and, and plastered their logo on it. But Nick Adams shot this. But I think we need to play this every day. Just uh, since it's the third Saturday in October, it's Tennessee week. Here is uh, here is the young man telling you what he thinks about the University of Tennessee. All
2: right, man,
3: uh, just uh, say what you've been saying, man. Why do uh, you
4: hate Tennessee? Man, I hate Tennessee because, first of all, it's Tennessee. And I I, I just hate them because they, they, they low down, they dirty, they some snitches. And I hate Philaforma. I hate their colors. I'm not a dog person. I I just hate Tennessee, man. Like, and I I hate N- Nayland Stadium. It looks like a garbage truck worker convention. And I hate all their quarterbacks. I just I hate Tennessee, man. Describe,
3: their, describe what
4: you feel about their colors too. I thought that was interesting. It, it, it reminds me, it, and it's not that orange that you can stand. See, I hate Tennessee more than I hate Auburn. I just dislike Auburn. I hate Tennessee. See, Tennessee's colors is it's that it's that throw-up orange. It's not that orange that you can sit with. It's that puke inside of a pumpkin orange. That I, and I don't like pumpkins. So I just I just I, I really don't like Tennessee, man. I I can't stress that enough, man. And they they, they losers. They sore losers because they, they they're not Alabama. And I, I hate Tennessee, man. There you go, and
1: uh, he didn't mention any words. That's just, uh, of course, that's an iconic clip now, and and I still, like I said, it 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 bothers me that Nick Adam shot that, and yet some web service plastered their logo on it, and you know, it's I don't even think the I don't know if the web site even remains today, but uh, we're gonna get Nick Adam on and tell us get him to tell the story of how that uh, interview came about. He was doing a, a piece on the third Saturday in October, Tennessee week. And, you know, that guy was over, I think that was near. What? Hey, guys, what, the Ferguson Center's not called the Ferguson Center anymore, is it? What's it called? It's called the Student Center. Student Center. That, that was near the Student Center. And uh, he was out doing those interviews and, and just getting people to talk about what they thought about Tennessee. And that young man... Uh, Came through and uh, did it uh, in a way that uh, is memorable. And that clip is played, of course, this week. It's played all over radio stations, television stations, uh, podcasts, web shows youtube shows in the state of alabama and uh, as i said nick adam former sportscaster former intern for me at uh, WA 23 shot that interview and he is now a a priest uh but we will we will find him i will find him i got his number i'll try to call him and get him on the show this week too he, i've had him on the tv before to explain it and uh, it's a neat neat story so anyway we've got uh, a lot to cover today getting back to alabama football uh nick saban Justin. Have you sent me those clips yet Send me those clips when you get a chance. He uh, met with media yesterday and, and continues to say that uh, they're not going to make any changes on the offensive line. And what I mean by that is position changes as far as um, the left tackle. Caden Proctor is going to stay at left tackle. And um, we've got, um, you know, some thought from some fans that maybe you should move Proctor to guard and and move – Latham from right tackle to left tackle, and Saban said that's not going to happen. They're going to stay with it the way it is. They've been rotating uh, uh, Pritchett in a little bit at left tackle as well. Uh, And um, I think he's a little more athletic. I think he's in a little better shape. I wouldn't mind seeing him get some more reps, but... Uh, Caden Proctor, I still think is going to be a good player. I mean, he was one of you know one of the, if not the top rated offensive tackle in the country when he came out of Iowa last year. Originally committed to the Hawkeyes, uh, came to Alabama. Has started as a true freshman. We know that's difficult at left tackle, but the um, situation with Proctor is that um, you know he's he's struggling. I mean, there, anybody can see that. You don't have to be a football coach or an offensive line guru to see that he is struggling at left tackle, and that continues to be a spot that. Uh, You know, you don't really need to struggle too much because that's the blind side for Jalen Milrow, and he took a couple shots, I mean, big-time shots on Saturday. And we've talked about it. He's got to get the ball maybe out of his hand a little quicker. But when a guy beats you off the edge, um, you don't have time always to get rid of the ball. And the problem that Alabama had with Landon Jackson was considerable on Saturday. The very talented defensive end for Arkansas, three-and-a-half sacks. So... You know, it kind of uh, kind of is what it is, but uh, that's one of the things that Saban talked about yesterday, and we'll get to some of his clips. Also, he talked about Quandarius Robinson, who has had a phenomenal year on special teams, one of the best special teams players that they have, <clears throat> and maybe that if they've ever had. And also, he's played some on defense and done pretty well. Also, on he talked about Justice Haynes, the talented freshman running back that I think a lot of fans would like to see more of. So we'll get to that. Right now, though, we got phone calls. Uh, we're going to start it off with uh, Philip, and then we'll get to uh, then we'll get to Joseph. Hey, Philip. Good morning.
5: Hey, good morning, Gary. Um, this this game with Tennessee uh, takes me back a long time ago. Um, I've been uh, I'm 63, and I've been going to games since I was about nine. But uh, to me, one of the best college football games I've ever gone to uh, was the '73 Alabama-Tennessee game at Legion Field. Um, I think you're a little younger than me, but Alabama won, got out to a 21-0 lead. Tennessee battled back with Conrad Holloway, who's from Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, uh, Holl-
1: Conrad Holloway would have loved to have come to Alabama, but that's another story. Go ahead.
5: Yeah. Well, uh, Tennessee roared back, I think, before half and tied it up 21 all. And then Alabama pulled away 42 21. But it was a beautiful day. Um, you know, just, it was, that was a great game. I never will forget that game. That was a fantastic game.
1: Yep. Yep. And uh, Conrad Holloway, um, Wanted to come to Alabama. Uh, Coach Bryant recruited him. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't sure he was going to get to play quarterback. And, uh, you know, he wanted to play quarterback. And Bill Battle uh, assured him that he would. And, uh, and he did. And the Artful Dodger was his nickname. He was, uh, he was an incredible player. And, uh, um, you know, those, those games in the 70s, uh, Alabama and Tennessee were special. And uh, I think that this one's special this year. I think they kind of got it kind of got diluted a little bit. Philip, as you know, Alabama. When you win 15 in a row, regardless of how big the rivalry Mm -hmm. is, it gets diluted. But I always say, all you need to do to bring a rivalry back is let the team that's getting beat all the time win one. (laughs) And you know, now this year, this thing's hype because Tennessee won last year, and I think there's, you know, a lot of people feel like Tennessee can win this year, right?
5: Oh, oh, absolutely! They can. You better believe I can, man. You sure? Yeah, you better believe it. But uh, you mentioned a, a player on, on, on Alabama's team this year a minute ago, and I thought he made some plays. Just on, you know, not only special teams, but during the regular plays from scrimmage. And Robinson Quindarius had a had a great game Saturday.
1: Let, let me tell you something about Quindarius Robinson. He's probably as good an athlete as they have on that defense. And I have been told from somebody that I trust that. You know, he's one of those guys can eat 3, you know, 3 ribeyes after after practice and still lose weight. He has a hard time putting weight on. He's and and they feel like, you know, if he were bigger uh that he he might be as good a player as they have. It's just, you know, he's a little light, but I'm with you. I light or not, when he's out there he makes plays. And I'm talking about, I'm with you. I'm talking about defense too. I, I think he's earned more earned more snaps. I you know he's got he's got a motor. Oh. He uh he goes full yeah. speed all the time and uh yeah I love I love Q Robinson. I'd love to see him get more snaps yeah. on defense too. I, I you
5: know he just stood out to me and and he covers pass plays very well. He covered pass plays a lot better than Deontay Lawson, I thought. I thought Lawson kind of had a little bit of space and, and got caught in no man's land a few times the other day. But Rat Robinson, man, he played a... He played a hell of
1: a game. Well, we're on the same page. I, I liked him at, you know, early in the year. He played a lot and, uh, and was getting to the quarterback. And I'm glad I was glad to see him get back on the field and get some snaps on defense. And as Coach Saban talked about yesterday, and we'll hear that clip, he's a phenomenal special teams player. Uh, one, of the best, uh, yeah. one of the best that they've ever had.
5: Well, thank you, Gary. I appreciate you taking the call,
1: man. Thank you, Philip. Always uh, good to hear from you. Always good calls from Philip. He gets right to the point. Uh, let's keep it going on the First Demand Condos hotline before we have to get to a break and talk to Joseph. Hey, Joseph.
2: What's up? Hey, Gary? pal. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. This Tennessee guy doesn't bear blowout. Alabama's going not blow him
1: out. <laughs> Do you really believe that? Are you trying to put yeah, some rap, gonna- rat poison on us?
2: No, I really believe they're going to blow them out, Gary. I mean, this is where we played last week. Save to get on them boys. I mean, save them if they should a rough week in practice, man. And I'm telling you, I think they're going to come out and they can, Tennessee has a team like they used to see in Alabama. I think we're going to blow Tennessee out. I really do. I really think we're going to go in there and the game ain't going to be close. It's nine, it's nine but I believe it's going to be, I think we're favored by nine and a half. I believe it's going to be more than that. Well, you know, Alabama
1: is due to play a 60-minute game. I mean, they're due to have one of those games. They have showed spurts, and they've had flashes where they've looked really, really good. So if they could put that together for four quarters and not have the penalties and the costly turnovers, um, you know, they might have an opportunity to win this game going away. It would be nice. I can tell you that would be nice to look up in the fourth quarter and have the game salted away rather than having to sweat it out. Well,
2: I'm going to be honest with you. The key matchup here is uh, Tennessee's defensive line. I've heard that they're really, really good. Like better than everybody thought they were. They are. They've
1: got a lot of, they got a lot of experience. Um, aggressive. Uh, yeah, they're, it's going to be another challenge for Alabama's offensive line, which has, as we know, struggled at times. There's no other way around it. And uh, I think they've given up 31 sacks this year. So that's, uh, that's a lot of sacks through seven games. So they're going to be challenged uh, again. And if they were to play well, and Alabama could get the running game going, then I think they could hit those big plays in the passing game. And, and, I, you know, Tennessee's really struggled to throw the ball. You know, they're more of a running team this year. You know, last year with Hendon Hooker and those wide receivers, Hyatt and those guys, they threw it all over the field. They have not been able to do that this year. So this might be an opportunity for Alabama to um, to get on top, and and uh, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll get on top of them and pull away. We'll see.
2: Well, the, the first challenge they had, Gary, was the Texas A&M. Everybody says, Alabama's offensive line is going to get destroyed. They're, they're not going to do very good. Well, they went in there and played the best game of their lives against Texas A&M. Uh, the offensive line. The best game we've ever seen them play. And I believe that they they do for another game like that versus Tennessee. They're missing to go in there and they're fishing to show some folks here.
1: Well, I hope so. I hope you're right, my friend. And, uh, They've they've been able to string some wins together and uh, get it to four zero in the SEC. They're halfway home. If they go four zero in the conference the rest of the way um, and get that one non-conference win, they're going to be in Atlanta playing for an SEC championship. So, my, you know, it's all there for this Alabama team. I'm I'm still uh, nervous because they play so many close games, but I don't think there's anybody they can't beat. So it starts it starts this Saturday. You know, beat Tennessee, get to the bye, and then. And then, uh, you know, come back and finish that four-game stretch strong. That's what they're looking to do, my friend.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm reaching. I'm reaching hard, man, this year. I, I'm really trying to dig in, and I'm really trying to reach hard, man. And part part of me it wants to go negative, and part of me don't want to believe, but I'm trying to reach.
1: Well, I, I don't think you, there's anything wrong with being positive. I mean, Alabama's at home. As you said, they're, they're you know, eight and a half, nine-point favorite. Uh, they've got payback on their minds. Tennessee, you know, won last year, but I'm not sure Tennessee should have won. I don't think, I, I think Alabama should have won that game. So uh, there's a lot to be positive about, man. So let's, uh, you know, they're finding a way to win games. I think they're getting better. I keep saying on my show that the ceiling for this Alabama team is, is there's a lot of room before they reach it. If they get better, they're going to be hard to handle. Hey, thank you, Joseph. Have a great day, buddy. All oh, you do, man. All right, uh, we're gonna get to the break, and we'll come back and see. If we got another phone call. Like I said, we got some Nick Saban clips. We got Drew and the Rocket Man, coming up at nine thirty. Patterson Comer Law Firm legal segment at ten, and then uh, Kayla Anderson with the Titans report at ten thirty. So we're jam packed today. Uh, Tom, we'll get to you on the other side. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide One Hundred Point Nine FM and Twelve Thirty AM WTBC. Hey everyone, gather
6: around. It's time for Courtney.
7: Had it not been for dumb penalties against Arkansas, so let's just suppose that in the Arkansas game we had played like we're capable of playing going down the stretch, we win the game twenty four to six
1: maybe even 31 uh, to 6. If you don't get that defensive yeah, face mask, uh, uh, the game the, ga- the game was over. It was over. Arkansas right. was going nowhere. They were not even really trying to make plays and and you give them second life. I agree 100% with that. That game that game should have never gotten close, but it did thanks right. to Alabama. Well, thanks
7: to the uh degree that what's his name got from UAB and uh but, uh, but I, you know, I'm not – can I take that back? That was, geez, yeah, you're talking about Jalen Key
1: who transferred in yeah, from UAB. I, I, I yeah, take that back. He's been a good player this good year. Player. You're right. And,
7: and uh, Jalen, I, I take that back. I'm ignorant, and I hope you'll overlook. I, okay, but it, anyway, my point is, had it not been for some youthful indiscretions on the state, we would have won that game going away. Uh, I take the game at A and M. Had it not been for, uh, you know, that uh, the block in the back play uh, and various other things, we would have won that game by two touchdowns. And and so, no, I don't think we've overachieved. If anything, we've underachieved.
1: Is my take. Off. Well, can I give you a response? Sure. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I think you're. For. I think you're both right, as odd as that sounds. I think you're both right. That, that can't be. And I well, listen, and I think you're both wrong. I, I think that it's ha- both are true. I, I really believe that. I think on one hand, this team has overachieved because after the Texas game and after that debacle down at South Florida, even though they won the game, this team looked lost, and it looked like it had absolutely no. Chance really, to get this thing turned around. People were counting Alabama out. And they've come back, starting with Ole Miss, and strung together some nice wins. So I think in that regard, this team has overachieved, Tom, because I think coming out of the South Florida game, I'm telling you, that was one of the hardest football games to watch uh, that Alabama's ever had under Nick Saban. I mean even a lot more painful than most of the losses. I mean, that was a hard game to watch. And I, they, they, they did look lost in the water. We didn't know what they were going to do at quarterback. We knew that uh, we knew that we thought Milrow was coming back, but you didn't know for sure what he was going to do. So I think they've overachieved getting to this point. Now, to your point, I think they've also underachieved. Because I don't think they ever should have been, this team's too talented to have ever been in a position coming off one loss against a really good team to go down to South Florida and slop around like they did regardless of whether I'm playing quarterback, you're playing quarterback, Noah's playing quarterback, it should not have mattered. So they have underachieved in the sense that that, they really should have never got to that point. That that this team's got too much talent and ability, so they got to that point. I think they've overachieved a little bit since then. But getting to that point, it, to me, they underachieved. So that's my response. I think both are true. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the way I see it.
7: Well, I, I can I can see that. That that that's a that's an interesting take, and, and I don't disagree with it. To be honest with you, uh, I, I I can see that and uh you know because I was I was headed in a different direction. But uh but at the same time in, in my my way of thinking and I could be wrong and is that you know we could have very
1: well beaten Texas. Could very be well could have be easily beaten Texas. I mean That's the Alabama right. fans sometimes Make excuses, that, and then that, sometimes they they, they make that. excuses in the wrong direction. They keep talking about, well, they got two two touchdowns come back, but one of them shouldn't have been a touchdown anyway. It was lucky. Well, it didn't matter. It was still a touchdown. It, it counted. If those two touchdowns right. aren't called back by offensive penalties, Alabama probably wins that game. Well,
7: every, everybody else is lucky touchdown.
1: Oh, they score. That's and, right. Uh, you score, you score. So, that's um, right. You know, it's just been an odd year and an odd team. Here's it's the key now, Tom, college, and I want to get dear. your response to this because I know you're very, you're very um, analytical. Here's the deal: whether they underachieved or they overachieved, it doesn't really matter at this point. The point, the bottom line is now they're six and one, four and zero, oh, and it's a five right. game season. And will they take care of business? Will they? Will they? meet the expectations going forward now, that's the question now because it's all right there for them. And I don't know. Well, I, I don't know the answer. I still don't know if this team – I think this team can win them all, but I'm not sure they will. So I I, I still think we're in that situation where um, we're still not sure what we're going to get from this team.
7: Well, but, Gary, look, when I look around the landscape of college football – it, it, isn't it kind of the same thing everywhere? Nobody really knows what, uh, what's going on. There's so many in contention for the uh in four spots that there. There's so many Oh, it's crazy right Tom. now.
1: It's so yeah, crazy, exactly. Tom. I've never seen. And you know, and it's it's it really is and, too bad. And this and year, it's not a twelve-team playoff because we're sitting here more than halfway through the season, and there's fifteen teams that can make a legitimate case right now that they could be in the playoff. Oh, I'm with you. The problem for Alabama and a lot of these teams is, you know, Alabama could be sitting there at eleven and one. And going to the SEC championship game, and still have to beat Georgia to get in the playoff. Because I think so. I agree with that
7: a hundred percent. But that—that's the top three angle of the college football season this year. And 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 you know, uh, and, and I think. Listen, tell me if you agree with this. I think like this sometimes. Alabama is a reflection of what college football is this year.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think just a lot of a lot of uh, uncertainty. And I, I agree. I don't know that I've seen a season like this since they went to the playoff. In fact, I know I haven't. I mean, there, there's and, – and right now, as much as I like Alabama's opportunities, it's going to be tough to make the playoff because I think they're going to have to not only win out in the regular season but then beat Georgia in the SEC championship game to get to 12-1 and one and be the SEC champion to get in, which is not going to be easy. You've got
7: to be. At a minimum, at a minimum, you got to be twelve and one this year.
2: Yeah, no you got to be
7: twelve. The SEC uh, uh, banner brand, whatever you want to call it, is not going to carry you to the playoffs. You have got to be twelve and one and be able to make a legitimate case uh, to 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 be able to make to the. But see, uh, here's another thing. As crazy as things are, this team could very well, to Joseph's point, it could very well go out there this weekend and kill Tennessee.
1: Well, that's what I'm hoping we see. I'm hoping we see a complete game for well, 60 I know, minutes. but it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. it is possible. It is possible. I agree. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of <laughs> possibilities. There's a lot the, of possibilities the, with this Alabama team. There's not many answers right now. <clears throat> yeah,
7: I agree. But the de- I think the Desert Rats believe that, too.
1: Yeah. All right. Got to go, Tom. Thanks. Bye. All right, 930. We'll get to the break. Come back with Rudy Arman, the Rocket Man, from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville next, right here on the Gary Here Show. Built to
0: win. Touchdown, Alabama! Built for championships. Throws
8: intercepted, Alabama. Built
0: by Bama.
8: Alabama is still Alabama
0: the crimson tide play here join us saturday as the crimson tide look to get revenge on tennessee our coverage begins at 11:30 on your home for alabama football brought to you by birmingham racecourse birminghamracecourse.com
1: you can be a winner too Los Tarasco's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Las Tarasco's in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Las Tarasco's features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarrascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. For more from Tide 100.9. <laughs> let's it fly
0: and it. Whoa! Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud.
5: And I think it's going
1: to be a long, long time to me to 9.34, it's time <laughs> for the Rocket Man. Rudy Arm, at 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, the Rocket City, and joins us every week to talk some ball here. Of course, he co-hosts Talking Ball weekday mornings from 7 to 9 with Scott Tyson. He uh, has a recruiting show. Does uh, we'll, we'll get into a little recruiting with this with him this morning as well. And, uh, of course, uh, hear him on radio stations and does some writing for com. Just a busy a busy gentleman. But Rudy Armin always carves out a little time for us. What's up, Drew? Hey, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Uh, a lot to cover this morning. Obviously, we're going to jump into the third Saturday in October matchup between Alabama and Tennessee. But let's start with what we saw Saturday against Arkansas. Just a peculiar game. I... I you know, we've seen some peculiar games this year. This is a peculiar team. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. But, um, you know, you're rocking along there at 21-6. You've got the ball, third and three, I think, inside the 10. Uh, they throw the ball. And uh, Milro did not see McClellan standing out there in the flat for at least a first down, maybe even a touchdown, winds up throwing the ball away. The kick a field goal, you're still in good shape. Uh, the defense comes out. Arkansas goes three and out, or so we thought. Game over. At that point, I'd seen nothing from Arkansas offensively to lead me to believe that they could get back in the game and away from the play. Um, and I don't know that it was a great call. I thought they were in a little squirmish, but Jalen Key gets called for a defensive face mask, personal foul penalty, 15 yards, second life for Arkansas. They wind up scoring. Uh, they get momentum. They start moving the ball. Alabama can't move the ball. Next thing we know, we're into a game. Give Alabama credit. The offense made some first downs there to end the game when they had to, but that game was a little too close for comfort, 24-21. What did you think about it?
3: Well, I mean, I thought Alabama – took their eyes off the prize for the last quarter and a half. I saw the play happen from my uh, from my couch, but I, as soon as I saw Jalen Key slam the guy on the ground, I don't know why they called it a face mask. He body slammed the guy after uh, the running back was pushed out of bounds. The play was over. Uh, it was definitely a personal foul. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that might be a problem for Alabama. Certainly it ended up being so. Yep. Uh, and they called it a 15-yard penalty. It was a good call. Uh, and uh, Alabama, you know, gave them life. And football is a funny game; it's kind of a momentum game. Sure is. And you know, sometimes it can get, it can uh, start, by, and the other team can get it rolling. And uh, you know, Alabama had you know had it really looked like they were going to go up twenty eight six because they got the ground game going in the third quarter. But they had to settle for the field goal because this team has had trouble in the red zone, and that's going to be something they got to work on. Uh, as the season progresses, because they got, they've got they got their only two red zone touchdown passes this season against A&M, but they're going to continue to have to work on their red zone O. But again, as soon as they let Arkansas up off the deck, I mean, you know, they, they score on that drive. And then the next possession, uh, you know, Alabama had trouble getting off the field on third down. You know, Terry Arnold looked like he had him dead to rights for a sack. It would have been a third and very long for Arkansas. But, K.J. Jefferson's a load. He discarded uh, Terry on, made a nice throw. And before you know it, they get another third down and they score a TD and hit a two-point conversion, and you're fighting for your lives. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of a strange game. I've seen those kind of games happen. It kind of reminded me of Texas A&M last year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, so, and, and so, but Alabama made the plays. On that final drive, Milro finally used his legs. Converted a key third down, uh, scrambling, nice throw to Nye Black. Uh, and and then trust me, he was under pressure. He took a shot to the, you know, to the, basically to the chops. Made a good throw though, and then they run the clock out with McClellan and escape. So it certainly wasn't a work of art. And, I, and first of all, I want to give a shout out to Arkansas, who's had a brutal schedule. They uh, they've been on the road for a month. And they fight like hell for Sam Pittman. I mean, I know there's some talk about Pittman being in trouble. Uh, The people I talk to, I don't think he's in trouble so much as this year. He may be on the hot seat headed into next, but I'll just say this. I've seen some bad football in the SEC, and when uh, Chad Morris was at Arkansas – was some of the most horrendous I've ever seen. I mean, I saw an Arkansas team in 2019 come into Tuscaloosa. It was Mac Jones' first start of his career, and that Arkansas team was one of the worst I've ever seen in the history of the Southeastern Conference. This team is good as far as they're not a bad football team. they're battling. They've had a lot of one you know really close losses. They fought like heck in Oxford, Mississippi, and fell by a touchdown. Uh, You know, the only game this year in the SEC where they really got kind of whipped was against Texas A&M. They didn't have a good day, but they still fought in that game as well. I mean, I think Sam Pittman's doing a, a pretty good job there. Probably needs to maybe tweak either his personnel offensively or maybe he has a bad fit there with Dan Enos. We'll see. I think their defense is quite good. I was impressed with Travis Williams and the job he did. Now Alabama has to, you know, turn their focus to uh, Tennessee. They probably were a little flat uh, in the Arkansas game, too, which you can understand, but they were up 24-6. to six and, and what this Alabama team has to learn is you have to, Nick Saban said it, finish. You have to step on people's throats. Uh, they did not do that on Saturday, and certainly they're going to face a stiff challenge inside Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon with Tennessee coming to town with a better pass rush than Arkansas with a better uh, running game than the Hogs, and, you know, uh, some experienced guys. And Tennessee is going to be super motivated because they haven't beaten Alabama back-to-back since 03 and 04. And that 03 game is the last time that the Vols won in Tuscaloosa. And anybody that's a historian in this series knows there was no way in hell they should have won that game.
1: Drew, uh, one more topic from the Arkansas game, and really not just the Arkansas game, but the, the offensive line, 31 sacks through seven games, which is an astronomical number. I mean, that's, that's well over four sacks a game. And I remember Coach Mal Moore telling a story about Coach Bryant coming to him on the sideline and saying, hey, Mal, you're making an, an All-American out of that defensive end out there. And that's kind of what, and Landon Jackson's a good player. I remember he was highly recruited, went to LSU, transferred to Arkansas, big, lanky, a- athletic defensive end, but three and a half sacks. And I know you've, you've said all of it's not on the offensive line, but there's no doubt whether Milrose holding the ball too long or not, Caden Proctor has struggled mightily in pass protection. What do you think? I mean, you know, should Pritchett be given more of a – you know, he's gotten some snaps. Should, should they give him more of an opportunity to see if he can stand up better against a pass rush, or do you think he's any better? What do you, what do you see? And I know, I know they're working at practice. To create opportunities i know they're working with Jalen to get rid of the ball faster but it's it's not all on the quarterback this offensive line particularly the left tackle has struggled in pass protection
3: they have but they're playing both guys both guys gave up sacks you know prishett let somebody get across his face and sacked the qb i believe it was landon jackson uh while he was in there on saturday as well so all those three and a half sacks weren't on proc. right I thought that of the four sacks, probably two of them were on Milrow uh, for not moving, stepping up in the pocket, having better pocket presence, and not giving the ball or getting rid of the ball fast enough. I saw a stat. I think it was uh, originated from Pro Football Focus this weekend, Gary, and it, it they've taken into account how quickly each quarterback in the SEC releases the football, and by far and away, Milrow is last in the conference. He holds the ball three and a half seconds. That's, all, that's an eternity. <laughs> You're supposed to get rid of the football, man. And he, to make matters worse, it's not like he's taking off and running and making a bunch of explosive runs. The only game he did that was Mississippi State. So, for me, I think there, there's a couple things. I think he's got to learn to move up in the pocket. And then I think not and not 10 or 11, 12 times a game, not by any stretch, but... Four or five times a game, I think Milrow needs to take off. And I don't mean uh, zone reads or even student body rights, uh, you know, or quarterback draws. I think from watching Milrow now be the starting quarterback for the majority of this season, Gary, and you're getting a much bigger sample size now that you've watched him for several games. And I thought his best game running the football was Mississippi State. And both those touchdowns were not called runs. Right. I think with his straight line speed, He's not a guy that's real shifty like a Jaden Daniels, okay? He, but he's very, very fast north to south. I think his best bet is to improvise on the runs. Don't be a called run. Just, you know, be able to see things and, have, and just take off. And if you, if you don't find one of your teammates open, don't take the hits. Don't take the sacks because they all accumulate. And I think, you know, certainly some of the sacks are on the offensive line. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Proctor got beaten by Landon Jackson once really badly and, and gave up a sack. But I still say of the 31 they've given up, I'd say close to uh, at least a third, if not close to half of them are on the quarterback because he just did not get rid of the football fast enough, and he didn't take off. And I just think he, if he, the next evolution for Milrow and this offense, and Milrow is the key to it, he's going to be the QB barring injury the rest of the season, he needs to use his legs more he needs to try to bring some more explosives, because this is not an explosive running game, Gary. Like last year with Jameer Gibbs, he, he led the nation in yards per carry for much of the season because while he you would, would, would nail him for a yard or two or three, then he would break two long runs for a 40-yard run or a 75-yard touchdown. This running back room's not doing that. So the one guy that can make the explosive run is Milrow. I think he needs to. they need to start let, just letting them know it's okay to take off, okay? You can take off and run. We know you want to sit there and you want to distribute the ball to your teammates, no question about it. But use what the good Lord gave you. Use your speed as well. And, and use it a few times a game just to keep the defense honest and make them back up. I think it would help the running game, certainly help the passing game as well. And then in Milrose's defense, you know, and I thought he played a very poor second half but I also thought it was the poorest game for the wide receiver core of the year that's been really solid up until last week. I thought they didn't help him. They had a couple of drops. And then as you've seen, Gary, you've covered the team. But every game pretty much the receiver core has helped him out mm-hmm. and made a, a couple of really nice, you know, leaping catches just helped the quarterback out. I didn't think they helped him out this past Saturday, and I thought that was part of the reason the offense stagnated in the second half. You know, Jalen Hale had a chance to make a great catch. Burton had a chance to make another one, and they didn't make the difficult catch that they've made, that they've shown that they can make. Uh, So, again, I just think overall it was just not a good second-half offensive performance, but all that matters is a a W, and when it mattered most, give the offense credit, give Milrow credit. Uh, They made the plays and closed out Arkansas, and uh, in the past, you know, uh, under, you know, 20 years ago, which none of us want to think about it anymore, uh, Alabama would have found a way to lose that game, not win it.
1: Great points. So let's move on. It is the third Saturday in October. I said this earlier, Drew, that, um, you know, this has been such a great rivalry through the years, but when you win 15 in a row, it dilutes the rivalry a little bit, but all it takes, all it takes is for the team that's lost 15 in a row to win one and it's back on. Tennessee was able to do that last year, a phenomenal, phenomenal, crazy game in knoxville uh now they come in here as a you know solid underdog but they've got a little confidence uh obviously milton at quarterbacks not hinden hooker they're not throwing the ball nearly as well but they're running it well they've got a veteran experienced tough defensive line that could cause problems how do you see this matchup
3: well i think it's going to be a lower scoring game gary um i think both defenses are good I give Tim Banks credit for how he's improved Tennessee. I give uh, Rodney Garner credit for improving Absolutely. their defensive yeah. line. I mean, they have a good pass rush. So Alabama, I think they're going to have to help the left tackles out. I'll go back to what you were talking about with the left tackles, and this is my point I've made. Is Caden Proctor too heavy? Yeah. I mean, he came in at like 390 in the spring. So he's he's been losing weight since he got there, but he still needs to get in better shape. Pritchett, it's not so much the weight. I think he's still uh, acclimating himself to the SEC because, remember, he missed much of last year hurt uh, with a torn peck. So they're both still developing. They they both weren't as far along as guys that we've seen in the past, even that were true freshmen like the Cam Robinsons and the Andre Smith and guys like that, So uh, and, you, and even Jonah Williams. So you have to understand that these guys are still kind of coming into their own. We've even seen Jaden Roberts now become – the right guard, potentially. Nobody thought that at the start of the season. So this offensive line is still kind of trying to come together. It's a work in progress. I do think they played better than the stats belie against Arkansas because I thought the running game was better. Uh, when you take out the sacks, because I hate that rule. I wish they would just change the way they do sacks and give it its own, like, category. Mm-hmm, I, I you. Count against rushing yards. So they rushed for over 200 yards, which was good. Uh, You know, and so I think when you look at it, though, there's nobody else to play left tackle because of the portal. This is where you can thank the transfer portal. Because Amari Kite's gone. Damian George is gone. You don't have bodies there. Now, luckily, you've got a little more depth inside, but you don't at left tackle. So the key is going to be, though, I think Alabama needs to help out Proctor or Pritchett. I think they'll probably both play. They they need to probably chip with a tight end. We'll see how healthy C.J. Dupree is. You might see Danny Lewis. You could even see Miles Kitzelman, Oots. You need to chip there. You probably need to use the backs. Probably sacrifice another, uh, you know, player out in the – another receiver out in the pattern just to help the pass protection. And this goes back to my other point. That's why Milrow needs to be a factor as a runner. Because if you have one less receiver out there, Gary, if they're it, but and if you watch defensively, a lot of people have watched film and they're backing off. The middle of the field is open because they don't think Milrow will take off. So to me, Milrow needs to kind of use his mobility. And then I think another thing Tommy Reeves needs to do is I thought they did a really good job of this against A&M. They need to get Milrow into a rhythm early. And, then, and, I th- and I mean in both halves. And I think with this team, it's, ca- it's going to sound funny, but I think they almost need to throw to set up the run because I think it's very important to get Milro in a rhythm with his passing game because they need to be balanced. Alabama cannot be one-dimensional because I don't think Tennessee is going to allow them to run it down their throats. So it's going to be very important to get Milro into a rhythm. Then I think the running game can take hold. But I like Alabama 29-20. to I think Will Reichert's going to have five field goals. Alabama's probably still going to have some issues in the in the in the red zone, but I think they're going to drive the ball pretty well. Then Reichert will be the saving grace and then I think that they'll score a couple touchdowns and get a couple of Tennessee turnovers and find a way to win the game 29 to 20, but I just I don't see a high-scoring game in this one because I think both quarterbacks uh, are kind of
1: struggling right now. Drew, that's a great synopsis. I want to ask you, before we get out, uh, Alabama picked up a, a 2025 commit over the weekend, and, and this is a young man. At, it's a big deal at, at T.R. Miller and Bruton. Uh, he'd been uh, on Alabama's radar just in, uh, uh, Miles Johnson, I should say, and a, and a guy that uh, is very athletic, is out this year with an ACL, but has another year of high school football, and uh, uh, really a, a top-notch athlete. What do you think of his uh, committing to Alabama and, and the potential for him in that 2025 class?
3: Well, as you know t.r miller's always had a great program they've you know they, they've been a tradition rich one in the state of alabama for many years and all i need to know about miles johnson is he was at the cookout in july and this is for the guys in the 24 25 26 classes that they're prioritizing right and when i knew miles johnson was at the cookout that's all i need to know they they saw enough out of him on his film last year then before he got hurt uh, that they've, they 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 think, they think potentially he's going to be able to develop into either an inside outside linebacker that can play on the SEC level, probably inside, uh, we'll, but we'll see. I mean, he's still got a ways to go. He's got another year of football left, and again, as you said, he's got to come back from injury. Uh, but I think they really like his intangibles. I think they like his length and his speed, and I think he's somebody that if you're taking him this early in the 25 class, because recruiting's changed a lot. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, But I think Alabama really liked what they saw, and if they're going to take his commitment at this time, especially when I, when I think that Alabama is going to be even more aggressive in the transfer portal after this particular class is signed in December in 24, it tells you a lot about his potential and about the 25 class as a whole. I think it, the 25 class has a lot of star power in it, and we'll see if one very prominent member of that class potentially reclassifies himself.
1: Great stuff, uh, Drew. Just really quickly, 30 seconds. Uh, Brock Bowers going to get the tightrope surgery. Probably going to miss the rest of the regular season. Do you think uh, we'll be back for the postseason? you think Georgia can navigate through their schedule without him?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they've got Oscar Dell, They've got some depth there. Uh, their schedule is not that difficult. Florida's still in a rebuild mode. I, honestly, right now, Gary, their most dangerous game is the old Miss Rebels in three weeks because Ole Miss can score points. Right. You probably won't have Bowers. But I wouldn't write him off for the whole regular season. We've seen Tua Tungvaluola come back in two weeks from these kind of things. But, of course, Georgia doesn't have Jeff Allen on their staff. will little shout-out there.
1: All right, Drew. Quick uh, quick note on where everybody can find you.
3: Yeah, Drew D 977 espn on Twitter. Uh, at 977ESPN on our uh, station account. Of course, you can find all our content on SoundCloud. I'm uh, doing uh, three segments a week now on our morning Blitz show, uh, talking recruiting, talking SEC. And, of course, we've always got talking ball Monday through Friday with Scott Tyson and myself uh, from 7 to 9 a.m. And uh, we really enjoy being on the Gary Harris Show in time 109 each Tuesday. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Drew. Have a great day, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right, 9.53 here on the Gary Harris Show. And a reminder, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is a place to get fit, but it's so much more. It's a it's a big part of the community. The Y Men's Club does great work in our community. I've been a member for over 20 years. Uh, you can foster connections through fitness, sports, and fun. And uh, as a result, um, you can receive support, guidance, and all the resources needed to achieve greater health. For your spirit, mind, and body, go by and visit the YMCA of Tuscaloosa today at twenty three hundred Thirteenth Street, or you can call them 205-345-9622 or look them up online at ymcatuscaloosa.org. Fitness classes and great personal training available as well. All right, we'll be back to wrap up this first hour of the Gary Harris Show right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m., the Martin Houston Show.
4: Join us tomorrow for a wild
3: card Wednesday as we look inside the playbook. We'll also talk about I want to see more of what. We'll look at the keys to victory as we look to the third Saturday in October. Those conversations and more right here on the Martin Houston Show, powered by Max Sports
0: Catch the Martin Houston show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9.
1: Patterson Comer is dead. Billy's Sports Grill located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award winning wings and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high definition televisions both dining rooms, at the bar and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's, good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9,
0: Tuscaloosa
1: weather. We're forecasting sunshine in full
6: supply. Today, Tuscaloosa's high 68, clear tonight, the low 46. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 73. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, a chance of showers Thursday night, the high at 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Goal line in, touchdown Alabama! On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: 58, a reminder that Friday it's our Bama football trivia giveaway presented by T-Town Men's and T-Town Gallery the University Mall. We're going to be giving away that great print going back to the 2005 Alabama-Tennessee game. Roman Harper's big hit to save the tide and give them the victory over the Vols. That'll be on Friday. Also, I'll be live Friday at Brick and Spoon from 9 to 11. I'll be doing my show there live. So. Come on by Brick and Spoon and see me. I'll just be sitting there talking on the radio, but, uh, man, alive. Paul uh, Patterson's in. I'll wait to our segment. But I'm going to ask you, you gotta get, if you haven't been by Brick and Spoon, you got to go, man. I mean, I've, yeah, I not been there. It's awesome. we are got to get you down there. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the first hour of the show. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned, and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. We'll crank off the uh, second hour with Paul Patterson in studio for our legal segment. And then uh, the Titans report with Kayla Anderson at 1030. We'll hear from Nick Saban's Monday press conference and take more of your phone calls So a big hour of the Gary Harris Show coming up on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Stay with us. So are we still doing...
0: WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Always live, always local, dependable news coverage, the latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom.
6: Duran Vandersloot will be in federal court tomorrow and has apparently made a plea deal in his federal extortion and wire fraud trial. Revealed details about the 2005 disappearance and death of Mountain Brook teenager Natalie Holloway in Aruba. According to a study by the University of Wisconsin, Tuscaloosa, and Lamar counties in West Alabama are among the top 10 counties in the state with excessive adult drinking. And Mississippi Highway Patrol continues to investigate a single vehicle crash that killed three people injured five others from Cottondale on I-20 just east of Vicksburg, Mississippi, yesterday
0: local news in Tuscaloosa Bama sports updates four, five, four. and severe weather information download the free Tuscaloosa threat app never pay for your news and sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide Kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: Here we go, hour number two the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, October 17, 2023. Another absolutely gorgeous day. Man, we are having some fall weather, and it is... Delightful. I'm Gary Harris, Justin Jones, and Noah Haynes hanging out with us. And uh, this hour, the Gary Harris Show brought to you, as always, by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. I say it every day, but I mean it. Um, Nothing against the 1-800-FIRMS. They'll help you out. They're trying to get a settlement for you as well. But I want to deal with attorneys that have their feet on the ground right here in West Alabama. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer do. Paul's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. So if you uh, have an issue, whether it's an automobile accident, personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or 18-wheeler accidents, call Patterson Comer Law Firm today or find out more at pattersoncomerlawfirm.com. Get in touch with gentlemen that will be here with you. You can look them in the eye. And if you do have to go to court, they will be in the courtroom with you because they try all their cases themselves. So you'll get to meet the attorney and you'll get to build a relationship with them. I think that's important. firm.com
3: No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And
1: speaking of Patterson-Comer, it's one of our free legal advice segments today. Paul Patterson's in studio. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning, Gary. I know you probably agree with that, obviously, is that, again, you're, you're never going to knock another attorney's firm. I know that sure. about you, but There's advantages if you live in Tuscaloosa or North Port or West Alabama. If you're having having an issue, there there are certain advantages to having a local attorney.
8: Well, we we feel like we provide a service to individuals where when they call us and hire us, they speak to us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's important. Uh, A lot of people need an opportunity to sit down, (coughs) Excuse me, speak with their lawyer. Um, You you know, one-on-one just to discuss the problems they're going through as far as an injury. Yeah. We see a lot of people that are breadwinners in their families when they're in an accident they're losing income, they're hurt. Emotionally, it's a tough time. It is. Uh, I have a lot of clients that are like my dad, John Wayne. I call it the John Wayne syndrome. They're tough. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, there's problems. Yeah. And they do their best to overcome them. But you need that relationship with your attorney. It, my policy has always been... I give out my cell phone. I've had other attorneys go, I can't believe you do that, but I just do. We're, we're accessible. My clients know they can text me. Yeah. During the week, on weekends, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's your commitment to the client. Uh-huh. In fact, <clears throat> and
1: you know listen, you need to have a, an, an issue, but Paul has had, we've had a couple people contact me about getting in touch with Paul, and Paul said, hey man, give him my cell phone. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, you sure? He said, yeah. <laughs> if they need to get in touch with me, that's the best way to do it. That's right. Uh, that's who he is. All right, our topic today, and this is a good one, and we've we've kind of had John before, in, in regards to what do you do when you're out of a bill accident, you're always concerned about what do you tell the police, what do you tell the person that you're involved with if it's a two car accident, but you better be concerned about the insurance companies too. That's right, particularly the ones on the other side. That's right. Uh, if you're in a car accident, are you required to give the insurance company a recorded statement? That's
8: our topic, and I'm not sure of the answer myself. Well, you know, it's a two part answer, and we get this question a lot. People sometimes we encourage people to come to us as soon after an accident as they can possibly. Mm-hmm. Or to contact us, even if they're, you know, at home and injured, just so we can, you know, get get with them, just tell them their rights, et cetera. But what happens when the insurance company representative for the at fault party comes to your home or calls you on the phone and asks for a recorded statement? Are you required by law to give the at fault party's insurance carrier a recorded statement? The answer is no. Good. You do not have to. You have every right. Because they might your try attorney. to talk you into doing it. I go back to the John Wayne philosophy right. is if, if you call my dad right now, if he'd been in a car accident, had two broke arms, he would, you'd say, how you doing, Mr. Patterson? He'd say, I'm doing fine. How are you? But he's not. <laughs> right. you, you got, you know, some people, things can be taken out of context, and they have been. Over 25 years of doing this, you know, I've I've had clients <clears throat> come and hire me months after an accident. I ask them, have you given any recorded statements? They say, yes, I will send a release. To the insurance company, asked them to provide me a transcribed copy and an audio copy, and they do. Mm-hmm. And we would never tell anyone to, to mislead someone. Mm-hmm. But the way that you answer a question can be critical because that's evidence that a jury may consider down the road. Uh, now, I distinguish that from your own insurance company. Now, you do have to give your own insurance company a recorded statement. And should. That's right. Yeah. Under the policy... They're there, a, they're there to support you and help you. Yeah, they're supposed to. And you have a duty to cooperate right. under the policy that you signed. So view it like this. Your own insurance company, you have a contractual agreement with them. You have purchased this insurance, and they have agreed to cover you in the event of an accident with some stipulations that you will cooperate. You will give them sufficient notice of the claim. But now here here's the catch. You still have the right to be represented by someone such as myself or Mike Comer. So when your insurance company asks for a recorded statement, you mm-hmm. come to our offices, we speak with you about the case, then we do the recorded statement. But we're there as a safeguard. If if the adjuster or someone goes out of bounds, we're there to object and stop okay. it on a recorded statement. That's a great point, because I, I just got through saying, yeah, they're there to help you. But as we have discussed,
1: sometimes... They're, they're also looking out for the bottom line. And sometimes yeah. you, even your own insurance company, I'm not going to say can be the enemy, but they're looking
8: to pay as little as they can as possible. <laughs> you know, we have some really good local adjusters that mm-hmm. are, you know, that I work with every day uh, that I trust. Mm-hmm. I know they are doing their best to do the right thing in cases, but then you get a, a large national company, Mm -hmm. and all of their claims representatives may be located out of state. Mm -hmm. Many of them are. So I don't know that adjuster. Don't have a personal relationship with them, haven't worked with them in the past. So you get someone you don't know. And uh, it's just always a great safeguard to have your lawyer sitting next to you uh, before you go on the record and give a recorded statement because it can make or break your case, believe it or not
1: when you give the statement I want to be clear on this uh-huh. you're talking about do you should you have your lawyer
8: present at that time yeah what the way we handle it Gary we will uh, we will write to them if it's their own insurance carrier mm-hmm. uh, we will write them and say we are going to uh, fully comply with our duty to cooperate and then the client comes to our office and then what we do I pretty much know after 25 years, what the insurance representative is going to ask my client. So we talk about the things that are going to walk mm-hmm. walk them through it, uh, and then describing how the accident happened, who the witnesses are, what your injuries are, who your physicians are tr- that are treating the injury, those types of things. And that's normal. Mm-hmm. But we do it on speakerphone with me sitting there where I hear every question. And if I need to shut it down, I shut it down. Okay. Now, Flip this back to the original question, the at-fault party, their insurance company that you don't have a contract with, you do not have to give that statement. Matter of fact, I tell my clients, we're not giving a statement. We're never. Uh, If they won't resolve the claim based on our word and we have to file suit, the next thing that'll be done is our client's deposition to be taken. Well, a deposition is where a court reporter comes to my office, my client is seated next to me, Mm -hmm. the insurance company lawyer gets to ask my client pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. They start with background information, who your relatives are, because they don't want them to show up on a jury in Tuscaloosa County, how the accident happened, have you had any injuries before, what are the doctors who've treated you, et cetera. So it gets pretty extensive, but at least I'm sitting there and that's the first time my client has ever gone on the record... Discussing this case, in other words, I don't have to worry about a recorded statement where my client might have been misled, right. gotcha, uh, or to admit something that wasn't true, or they may not be doing well, even though they're going to uh, use their southern, you know, charm and say, "Well, I'm I'm doing okay," when they're really not. Right. And that's just how we are in the south.
1: That's a that's a great point that you made about your dad and why, again. We need attorneys. We need we need defense attorneys. We need personal injury attorneys because you made a great point. It's just the way we're built. It, you know, that could be that could be the insurance company calling and asking your dad, Well, how are you doing? Well, I'm fine.
8: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And they go they oh, they're, sending, they're, they're going to, to to try to settle the claim saying, Well, he's fine. Yeah. And then you're coming in behind him saying,
8: Well, he's not fine. You've already not knowingly but you've already set up a problem for yourself. Oh, absolutely. And we, we get this, well, we've had it before. And again, it's clients who hire me late. Right. Because they're making decisions based on, and I hate to say it, what what neighbors or friends have told them right. who may have had similar experiences. Uh, and it ends up being poor advice. Even though they mean well, they give people poor advice. And then if we go to litigation or in that deposition mm-hmm. or even at trial, they pull out that initial recorded statement and say, you know, we called you just after the accident, asked you how you were doing. You said you were okay. Well, you're not okay. Yeah. You know, okay but, can but the context at that point may not even matter. Yeah, that, that's right. That's They're right. going to say, hey, we got the guy saying
1: he's okay. That's exactly and right. And then you're trying to say, well, I wasn't okay. I would just- But that's what you said. That's, I, that's, I, I, know, I know enough about that, law. That's exactly I know right. how they're going to come after you at that point. Well, and and it, you're trying to help them at that point. But as you said, you're behind the eight ball already because they've already gone on the record and said they're fine.
8: Well, and I've heard it in closing argument before. You know, defense lawyers get up and they say, you know, members of the jury, we called John Doe mm-hmm. shortly after the accident. You heard it in his own words. We asked him, how you doing today? Said he was doing okay. That's hard to overcome. So he was improving. Even though he had a broken leg and had surgery, yeah. he was improving and yeah. feeling okay. And, you know, truthfully, at that time, when you, he said he was okay, he's probably on pain medications, yeah. you know, and it's still numbness from the surgery. Yeah. And I've seen it. The, the the bottom line is this, Paul, and you and I have had this discussion before. By the way, we got a few more
1: minutes with Paul. If you want to call in and ask a legal question, it doesn't have to be on this topic. Paul will help you. 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904 is the number on the first main county hotline. The bottom line is this, and knock on wood. I, I don't want to be in one. But if you're involved in an accident, maybe even if it's just a one car accident, you slide off the road on a you hit a you hit a little patch of water or something, you hit a power pole, you're hurt, but you know, and certainly if there's other people involved you need to get your attorney or an attorney as quick as you can absolutely that, we all have cell phones now if you if your cell phones there you you probably need to call somebody right away and say hey paul i was just in an accident I'm waiting on the police to
8: arrive Somebody hit me. I want to go ahead and get you involved right now. You know, I, I've had close friends, family members uh, send their family uh, members or friends to me who got to me quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've made visits directly to the hospital room uh, to the person to be able to just share with them, here are your rights. Mm-hmm. When you are discharged, we will talk. But until then, don't give any recorded statements. You contact me, then we will discuss your claim and the, and how to proceed from there. That helps a lot, or it can be a telephone conversation with a family member. Mm-hmm. Recently had one uh, in Birmingham. Fortunately, the people uh, gave me a call quickly, and I was able to preserve a, a lot of evidence in the case. And that's another thing, Gary. The preservation of the scene of the evidence is critical. We see often when people hire us later after the accident, Vehicles are gone. They've been crushed. They've been sold. Trying to locate them is impossible. The scene has been washed away uh, because we hire accident reconstructions. And if liability is disputed, we have an expert that we bring to the scene. They map it. They do all the mathematics. They take the photographs. And then they reconstruct the accident, and they do an, uh, an animation for us showing us how it occurred. So a lot more goes into it than... Just a person thinking, hey, it's not my fault. I didn't cause this. Because stories then begin to change and the person that you think is at fault who acknowledged they were at fault to you at the scene, I've seen them turn and say, you know, I'm I'm not at fault and try to make it your fault at the accident. So <laughs> these accident reconstructions are really great. And uh but preserving the evidence quickly is the key. All
1: right, we're gonna jump out of the first of mankindos hotline. I know Tom is uh a loyal listener and one of your biggest fans. He's got a question or comment for you. Good morning, Tom.
7: Hey, Gary. Hey, Paul, how are y'all doing this morning?
1: Hey,
8: doing great.
7: You know, you were talking about, uh, automobile accidents or any accident, I guess. And I had a friend of mine that got hurt really bad in an accident and, and she had just never recovered. You know what I mean? I do. And, uh, uh, and in some cases, uh, uh, I've, I've heard of people that were in an accident, Paul, and and ultimately it ended up being what actually killed them. You know what I mean? I do. But I it, do. it took a long time and a lot of suffering for it to happen. Mm-hmm. How do you manage a case like that?
8: That's a great question. Tom, thank you for, for yeah, calling thanks, in. Tom, you always I give us great questions. questions.
7: Yeah. Hey, hang up and listen, okay? okay? I really yes, sir. Love
8: Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You know, one thing we do is we sit down with the physicians of who have treated our clients, Gary, and we determine whether they had any pre-existing injuries or is this a brand new injury. Because we're looking at, did the insurance company cause this injury? I mean, I'm sorry, did the at-fault party cause this injury? And if they did, then what are the future complications, if any? Uh, to answer your question, Tom, we hire what's called life care planners to come in. They project out based on the mortality tables the, the lifespan of this individual of our of our
0: client,
8: mm-hmm. and they will project the medical cost of everything they will need down to a Tylenol. I mean, if it's wow. a walker, if it's a wheelchair, everything, all of their medical needs up until when the mortality tables tell us that this person should pass away. We use that figure in order to argue future damages. And they're not speculation. I mean, they are based on medicine. They're based on the mortality tables, which are published by the Secretary of State of Alabama. That's where we get them. Mm -hmm. And then we break that number down with an economist. We do those things, in the event we have to go to trial, we're able to give the jury a present day value of of those costs. Mm -hmm. We also look, back to Tom's question, whether this injury hastened Right. An injury. Maybe you had a pre-existing injury. You were doing fine with You were recovered. Yeah. It gets re-injured. Did it hasten the injury or exacerbate it? If a person does pay, and we've had this happen. I'm glad Tom brought this up. We've had individuals injured in accidents that later passed away while the case was active. We will generally always amend our complaint for wrongful death. And then again, we go to the physicians. We take their depositions, and we ask them a key question. Did this accident hasten or cause the death of our client and and that's the way you cover it sadly alabama for wrongful death only provides punitive damages uh you do not get compensatory damages for wrongful death in alabama so you don't get medical costs you don't get those lost wages you only are allowed to recover punitive damages so it's a great question uh a lot of the the medical providers hold the key mm-hmm. because the law says that great weight is given to their testimony because they treat the patient who is our client. So, great question, Tom. I appreciate you yeah, calling thank
1: in. thank you, Tom. Another great segment, Paul. And uh, before we get out of here, we have to mention that you, you've, you're raising two beautiful children right now, but you've thank got you. a grown son. Yeah. Already gone through law school and is working <laughs> in the DA's office, married, and
8: you're now grandfather i am i am uh rosie patterson was born yesterday evening around four o'clock-ish and uh we are just tickled pink north and, and of course madison are doing great there at dch yeah. they've had wonderful care from the nurses and staff there and uh she's a joy eight pounds one ounce and we welcome her to oh, this world Big and baby yeah pierce and maddie are tickled That's and awesome. katie and uh just another great addition to our family god's and, blessed us and, and uh
1: I guess, yeah. Your uh, two children now are uncle and aunt. Yes, and uncle. Yeah,
8: a 14-year-old uncle and a 10-year-old aunt. So. <laughs> <I love
1: that. laughs> they so they'll, they'll do it on that baby, I'm sure. Oh, already have. Yeah. It's great. I appreciate you. All right, great stuff, Paul. Appreciate you. Again, folks, Patterson Comer Law Firm. Uh, give Paul a, a call in Tuscaloosa or Mike a call in Northport. And it's uh, PattersonComerLawFirm.com is the website.
3: No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers.
1: And we'll be right back with more of the Gary Harris Show right after this.
2: Hi, I'm Marty Lines. When I come to Taco Casa, I...
3: As much as Innisfree
1: has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the Free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a Meat and 3 Vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the Free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are Nine, Tuscaloosa weather. We're forecasting sunshine in
6: full supply today. Tuscaloosa's high sixty eight. Clear tonight. The low forty six. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at seventy three. Thursday increasingly cloudy. A chance of showers Thursday night. The high at seventy one. I'm James Spann on the ABC thirty three forty Weather Center on Tide one hundred point nine. It's sixty one degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Eli Gold, Chris Stewart, and Roger Hoover live right here. Tide one hundred point nine a proud partner of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.
1: All right, 1024, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM. We've got uh, Kayla Anderson coming up with the Titans report in the next segment. We've got time to squeeze in a phone call right here if you want to give us a ring on the First of Man Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. Uh, Justin, Bama basketball, preseason AP poll, men's basketball came out yesterday, and not expected them to be in the top 10. I was a little surprised, 24. I, I Yeah, I thought that, uh, I thought that be top 20, certainly. I thought maybe Fourteenth, fifteenth, something like that, based on how he's rebuilt the roster. Now I, I get it. I've talked a lot about what they've lost from last year. My gosh, man. Brandon Miller, Clowney. Um, it goes on and on and on. Um, Quinterly, uh Bettyako, uh the big center from my mind went blank. A seven footer. How can you never help me? You're younger than me. You should be able to recall these things. Didn't you just say Clowney and Betty Aco, yeah. right? Oh, I said Betty Aco. Okay. Yeah, yeah Betty Aco. I did say him. Okay, okay. that's what it is. Yeah, and Miller. So I said it and didn't even realize I said it. But, yeah, just lost a whole roster of guys. and uh, But he's been able to rebuild that roster. But, yeah, 24. Um, Nate Oates will be at a, a SEC Media Days tomorrow over at Mountain Brook. And uh, I'll have some coverage on TV tomorrow night. And certainly we'll have some sound that we will play on the radio for you Um probably on on thursday but um we'll see what this alabama basketball team is able to do i think they're very talented they're very athletic again oats is great at not only recruiting talent but recruiting talent that fits his system and as we've said before justin most people want to play and most of these guys that come out and play basketball day they want to play the system that alabama runs they want to get up and down the floor they want to be free to shoot uh they want to be free to uh, uh show off their their talent and he plays a very it's a structured system, but it's very much a freedom system. I mean, when you're playing four out and one in, uh, and you're, you're surrounding the three-point line, and, and you're looking for pick and rolls, and you're looking for ball movement, and you're looking to shoot to three, guys want to do that. That's the way they want to play. And, you know, again, the, the half-court style that some still play, or you don't see too many double post-player uh, offenses anymore, but there are still some half-court offenses uh, where... You know, there's a premium on getting the ball down in the low post. That's not really what Alabama does. And uh, it, it attracts very athletic, very fluid, good shooting types of players. And um, that's why Alabama, I think, as long as Nate Oates is the coach here, regardless of what they had the year before and what they don't have coming back, they're always going to be competitive. He is able to get guys to come in and play. And I've said this before, I think the modern game of basketball and we're seeing it in football too with the portal and with NIL, it's very much a year-to-year endeavor, and it's going to be harder and harder to build programs, so to speak, by saying, hey, we're going to recruit guys, we're going to develop them, we're going to redshirt them. That's not what guys want to do. It's not what they want to hear. You've got to be looking. You can't look three or four years down the road anymore. You've got to look at, hey, what, what can we do to be good this year? And I think Oates gets that. I think he understands that. I think he understands you're going to sign great players. And if they're really good, like we saw last year with Miller, Clowney, and Betty Occo, who I went blank on there for a minute, um, you know, they're going to turn around and go to the NBA. And there are going to be other guys, Burnett, Quinterly, who for whatever reason, whether it's NIL or they're not happy, they're going to leave to go to another school. So you can't you can't moan about it. You can't cry about it. You can't sit there and say, well, if this guy hadn't left and that guy hadn't left, we'd have been good. You can't do that. Well, You just have to go out and you have to rebuild your roster. You have to use the portal. You have to, to be able to recruit guys that are impact players to come in and play right away out of high school. That's And that's the way Oates approaches it. He doesn't – you know what? He was glad for Miller. He was glad for Clowney. I think they were a little bit surprised by Betty Aco, Justin, when he decided to go. Uh, I know they were very surprised by Quinterly late in the, in the deal that he didn't come back and he transferred to Memphis. Um, Burnett, I think they were expecting that. But regardless, the hows and whys – Don't really matter. It is what it is type of approach. And when a guy leaves, you can't undo it. You know, you can't say, well, we should have done this. No, it's over. He's gone. You have to, what do you do? You don't cry over spilled milk. You move right on to the next guy that you can recruit out of the portal or that you can recruit out of high school or junior college or wherever that player. And that's the way Oates approaches it, man. Happy for guys when they get opportunities. Maybe occasionally he's disappointed if somebody goes into the portal or, or maybe goes to the NBA before he thinks they're ready. But that's their decision, and he doesn't spend a lot of time um, worrying about it. He just goes on and gets the next guy. It's a great approach. alright 10:29. 10-29, we'll take a break. We'll come back with the Tennessee Titans report with Kayla Anderson. Next, right here on the Gary Harris Show.
0: Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene, as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 10.32
1: when you hear Tennessee whiskey, you know it's time for the Tennessee Titans report with Kayla Anderson. Emmy-winning sports anchor from Nashville and part of the Ramon, Kayla, and Will show on 104.5 The Zone, just back from uh, her trip across the pond to cover the Tennessee Titans playing the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately for Titans fans, it was a 24-16 loss, but there's a lot to unwrap in this game and a lot of questions for this Tennessee Titans football team headed into the bye week. I think it's a good time for a bye. They've got to hit the reset button and figure out what they want to be. Good morning, Kayla. How are you? Hey, good,
9: Gary. I'm tired. I will be going to sleep after this. Uh, I, I know. I, I appreciate
1: you jumping on. I'm sure you're absolutely yeah. worn out. I've, I've made that it's, flight myself. It's it's yeah. it's a long one.
9: It's wild. It's like you know that international time change. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it's about until you do it for the first time. But definitely a cool experience. Just like you were saying, not the outcome at all that this Tennessee Titans team wanted
1: wow, what a debacle they're in. Yeah. It's just, like I said, I think they got to figure out where they want to go, what they want to do and who they want to do it with. I I think that during this by the future of the, not just for the, uh, for the future of the franchise, but for this year, uh, because they're in a division where there's still plenty of hope at two and four. And it's not like they're getting blown out other than the Cleveland game where the offense was just completely non-existent. But we get in that game uh, against uh, Ravens Tannehill, who I didn't think was very effective anyway, but he has to leave the game. And, um, you know, they got something out of Derrick Henry in this one. Uh, The defense continued to battle strong. But Malik Willis came in, and I don't know what to say. I I just – I was shocked that you have a quarterback uh, in his second year in the league who has a lot of athletic ability that didn't seem to understand the concept of when you're playing in a goal line situation, you need to score twice, you have a chance to run out of bounds, you run out of bounds instead of running back into play, and that you absolutely have to throw the football away. It just – I was – I just, I'm just thinking to myself, at some point, you've got to put Will Levis out there on the field and see what he can do, I think. Maybe it'll be an opportunity against the Falcons in two weeks. Just Let's start with just the uneven play on offense, uh, Tannehill status going forward, and what the Titans might be looking to do at uh, quarterback.
9: Yeah, well, the whole thing about this team is this offense um, and defense has had its real down moments. Offense more, obviously, than the defense. Um, because the offense just can't seem to score points, and that has not been fixed. And we talked about it last week. It's not like the offense hasn't gotten in a groove at some points. Like, there was bright spots that it had, you know, gotten a little bit more of uh, in terms of a flow, uh, but that had not been consistent enough. And then the biggest problem was when they got to the red zone they're not able to convert, right? They're not able to get six. And that was something coming into this game that I knew, and I said this several times uh, on our show, on your show, on some other shows, that they had to do that if they were going to beat the Ravens, right? They had to be able to convert when they got down in the red zone, and they didn't do it. They didn't do it again. Um, And obviously you saw Ryan Tannehill get hurt in that game and, there was a chance that they could possibly come back and win it. But, you know, the Tajay Spears run, which I thought was incredible, where he broke out there. But then, you know, he put the ball into Malik Wills' hands, and uh, he can't get it done either. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of like, confusion, I think, after this game in terms of what this team is. Right. Even Mike Grable was asked, you know, are some of these things just not fixable? And he kind of even admitted, I don't know, maybe. And that's never a good sign. And look, on Monday when he spoke, he made sure to reiterate the fact that they want to win. That's this team's number one goal, is they want to win ball ballgames. Um, now the whole thing is how are they planning on doing that? Then, If Ryan Tannehill is not available to go after the bye week, and it has been said that he has a high ankle sprain which will not need surgery, but that doesn't mean he'll be ready to go. So the big question now is if that's the case, who gives you the best opportunity to win on this Titans team in terms of the quarterback? Malik Willis has had opportunities. He played last year when Ryan Tannehill was down. Mind you, he was a rookie. But the opportunities he's had this year, including just now in the Ravens game, he wasn't able to show that. So at what point do you really try to see what you have in Will Levis? I think you have to try to play him. I do
1: too. Absolutely.
9: You know, I mean, and if that doesn't work, go to Malik for the second half. Um, But right now, you have to see what you had in your high second-round pick. Possibly they were going to take him even in the first round. So if they think that that is the guy of the future and Ryan Hannahill isn't available and Malik has had opportunities and you're not seeing that growth that you need to see out of him in terms of real-life game situations, you've got to go to Will Levis.
1: I'm with you 100%, Kayla, and I'm just shocked that they don't seem to wanna to to want to go there. I, I I don't know what to expect when they play the Falcons on October 29th, but I hope it's something different. I want to get to to Derrick Henry because I I still think he's Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, when he's given yeah. opportunities and he can still he can still turn it on, and he's having a decent year when you consider the offensive line is questionable, quarterback play has been uneven. Do you? Out of respect to him and to what you're trying to do for the future of this franchise, do you look to, to move him in season? Yeah. Is that something that they would look at?
9: Yeah. And let me let me give some stats real quick, okay. too, because this is something that's a talking point right now in Tennessee. Is It's almost like there's an identity crisis on this offense. It's almost like they're trying to move in the way of a new offense without Derrick Henry, but they don't want to fully commit to it, right? So they're still utilizing him in certain situations, but it's almost like you see that they are potentially just going to move towards, you know, putting Spears at that number one running back spot. But then when Derek is on the field, he's helping this current offense because it's not all the way converted or even close to being converted to what they, you know, want to do in the future. So when Henry is on the field, Ryan Tannehill is much better, and that is proven because the stats say it. 67.3 completion rate, um, 9.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, uh, 101.4 passer rating, just three sacks. Now, when Henry is off the field, 35.8 completion percentage, 5.5 yards um, per attempt, zero touchdown, five interceptions. That is when Derrick Henry is off and on the field. When Ryan Tannehill and him are together or not together, that's that's to me a difference maker. When Ryan Tannehill has Derrick Henry on the field, he's a better quarterback. And if he's your quarterback this year, it looks like you want to have Derrick Henry on the field. Yeah, um, and, and and that's kind of not the case, at least consistently. Um, and I think that there is an opportunity if they feel there's value in Derek and there is still value in Derek Henry. He's proven it, right? Um, they could possibly go that direction. Gary, the biggest thing you said earlier was they need to start making some big time decisions for the future of this franchise. This is part of the decision making process, the mm-hmm. quarterback. Do you move on from Ryan or uh, from Derek Henry? These are all things you, you better figure out soon to make the decision. Or you're just going to go a season, probably just being mediocre or subpar, um, and that's not going to help you in the draft process, Mm-mm. and not going to help you in the future.
1: And it's not going to help you with your fan base because, quite frankly, he, I know you at follow all. them every week, but I they're hard to watch at times, and it's just it's just yeah. frustrating because it's like you said, you see it on the field, you see a team that seems confused, not just in regards to finding an identity, but they what they want to even do in a in a particular game. They're just it's just yeah. and I know Mike Rabel is a strong head coach. He's proven he knows what he's doing, but he's the head coach. Ultimately, what the product that they put on the field on Sunday is his responsibility, regardless of what's going on in the front office, regardless about the future. And at times, this Tennessee Titans team to me just does not look prepared, focused, and ready to play.
9: And that's what I think, you know, you're, you're hearing Titans fans loud and clear right now, right? Because clearly this is, this is a team, like you said, they don't really know their identity. Um, and they can put that back to coaching, though. I mean, Mike Rabel has always had an identity of this team, of being a physical team that plays hard no matter what the situation. They're never down and out. And usually, actually, in these games where they're the underdog where no one's picking them to win, the trend has always been they pretty much go out and surprise teams. But that has that has clearly changed this year as well. And I feel like the coaching is now under fire. I mean, you're hearing fans even say, oh, it's, this is Mike Grable's issue to, to solve now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even people saying, uh, we, we don't want him here anymore. I think that's a little too extreme, but if there aren't some changes made soon and some really tough decisions made. I think that you could see that talk even get more hyped up in terms of Rabel being on the hot seat because you have to start making those tough decisions. And no, it's not easy sometimes, right? It's not easy when you, you've had Derek Henry as your guy for, you know, this whole time that you've been here, you've had certain coaches on your staff. Um, Ryan Tannehill has been your quarterback. I know those decisions aren't easy as a coach to make, But at some point, you have to make them for the future of the franchise, else you continue to put it back year after year.
1: The good news is, and I guess that seems to be the quandary, is you can't fully build for the future when you're in a division, despite the fact that you're two and four, there's not a great team in that division. Jacksonville probably looks like the best, but you know you can beat any of these teams. You're still still in this thing. I mean, it's four, two, three, 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 and two, four. I mean, I I guess that's the pickle is how do you totally transition to the future when you're still playing for this season and you have a
9: chance to win your division? And that's Mike Vrabel, right? He is one of those guys that's never going to give up. And he said that at Monday's press conference. We're not going to give up. That's not the type of competitor Mike Vrabel is. That's not in his vocabulary. So even when he feels like things are a little sticky right now, and look, that's probably the most, uh, how do I say this, down locker room I've been in in seven years of covering the team wow. after that loss. I mean, that's a lot that. You just felt like not the division, I would say, in the team, but you felt just like a lot of hope being sucked out of that room. And that's not been the case very much with a Mike Rabel-led team. Um, But it it is hard because it's like it is hard just to say you're not going to win games, right? But at some point, you have to see it for what it is. And I know a lot of guys are happy that this is the bye week, so physically the team can maybe get better mentally get back on track. But then you have a guy like Kevin Byer, who's been on the team for several years now, all, you know, obviously the time that Mike Rabel has been here too. And he said, I actually want to go play this weekend because it leaves a bad taste in your mouth being two and four. They've come back from, from that before in 2019 and look what happened. Um, but I think this this is a different situation, Gary. I think this is a much different situation from 2019 being two and four um, than now. I just don't think there's as much hope in that right. room that you're going to be able to to come back from that. And maybe they can, right? Maybe they can. But decisions are going to have to be made in order for that to happen.
1: And as we said, it's going to start October 29th uh, at home against the Falcons before three straight road games that are going to be huge um if Tannehill can't go do you think we'll see levis or or, or willis at the quarterback position
9: okay so when rabel talked this week about that situation he first and foremost said if ryan Tannehill is healthy he is our quarterback and so he's pretty much saying if Tannehill's ready to go he's going to be our quarterback in my opinion gary even a high ankle sprain that's what Tannehill suffered early on in the season last season, and then he hurt it again, and then he had that surgery. I say just keep him out against the Falcons. It's an NFC game, right? right? You're at home. They've actually been good at home this year. Um, and I almost think you give Willis the start because Brabel has said he has liked the progress he's seen with Will Levis, and maybe the only reason why he wasn't named the number two after the preseason is because he missed the end of the preseason with that thigh injury. And so they weren't able to kind of continue to see the progress. So I think if, if that's the case, Tannehill can't go, you start Levis and heck, if things get bad and you you don't like what you see out of Levis, you put Willis back in, right? And you, you think maybe he can go out there and, and hold things together for at least that game. And then you can get Ryan Tannehill back a little bit more healthy um as you go into that stretch like you mentioned so uh, that's what i think they could do possibly
1: well it's going to be interesting and um uh, we'll look forward to visiting again in in a couple of weeks uh with the buy. but uh thank you so much kayla and and uh, uh i know it's been a, a grind for you but you're back stateside and uh let people follow the uh, twitter account by giving them uh the uh handle and also uh, tell us a little bit more about the radio show
9: yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Kayla Anderson TV. You can follow me on Twitter. I cover everything NFL and obviously tons of college football as well. And then, yeah, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, 6 to 10 a.m. every single Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You could just check the podcast out, too, if you can't catch that time.
1: All right, real quickly prediction Alabama or Tennessee this Saturday?
9: Oh, my gosh. You're putting me on the spot here. We talked a lot about it today. Um, it's an interesting situation because I could go either way in this game. But I will say this. Um, this is not the same Tennessee offense that they had last year, right? High scoring, and Hooker was just – I think we actually at this point maybe didn't give him enough credit for what he did. Um, the receivers were just a, an elite level last year. We're not seeing that. The Milton play has not – has not been spectacular, but his receivers have not helped him out. That defense, those legit, I will give them that. Um, They have that going on. But when I look at Alabama, I think being at home this year and just the fact that they had to uh, feel all of that pain in Knoxville last year – I'm just going to give them the upper hand in this one by just a bit. I think it's going to be like a one-point game.
1: <laughs> All right. Kayla's going with the tide and a squeaker in Tuscusa. Yep. Thank you so much, Kayla.
9: Thanks, Gary. All right,
1: 1048. We'll be back to wrap up the show. We'll try to get a – because I've talked about it the whole show and we had not had time. We'll try to get a Nick Saban clip or two in the next segment. Stay with us
0: on the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson.
8: Tune in Wednesday. We'll continue to look at this Tennessee game and see if Alabama can avenge the big loss last year up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Also in the second hour, 8.15, we'll talk to Bill Cameron. Uh, Ole Miss travels to Auburn. A big game this weekend. Lane Kiffin versus Hugh Freeze. We'll discuss it Inside the Locker Room.
0: Inside the Locker Room. Weekdays, 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9. And Tide one hundred.
1: A Crimson Toscos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Las Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Las Tarasco's features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Las Tarascos With locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide
0: 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather.
6: We're forecasting sunshine in full supply. Today, Tuscaloosa's high 68, clear tonight, the low 46. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 73. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, a chance of showers Thursday night, the high at 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Tied 100.9 on Facebook today to watch our live shows. Read the great articles and
1: interact with
0: Bama fans today.
1: 1052 winding it down here on the Gary Harris Show, but let's not wind it down yet. Let's get to Nick Saban's opening comments from yesterday's Monday press conference prior to the Tennessee game. Coach Saban always has a lot to say. Here's his opening comments
10: from Monday. So after watching, you know, the Arkansas game, um, I think we did a lot of really good things in the game. I think it was also fairly apparent that um, when we had mental intensity, good mental energy, good focus, uh, we actually executed pretty well. And there were times in the game, uh, especially in the second half, you know, where we sort of lost our mental edge, our intensity. Uh, Affected our focus, um, and we didn't play as well and actually let the other team get back in the game. So I think the lesson to be learned in all that is you got to maintain intensity for 60 minutes in the game, regardless of the score. I mean, there's games out there every week where people have leads and, you know, lose their focus, and, you know, the outcome is not, you know, what you would want it to be. So, um, You know, this game we're playing against Tennessee, big rivalry game, means a lot to a lot of people uh, in the state of Alabama, and I'm sure they're too. Um, It's one of the best rivalries in college football. Uh, They have a really good team. They're ranked in the 15th or whatever, and uh, so they have a really, really good team. Very explosive. You know, Josh Hypo has done, you know, an outstanding job there. You got to you know they play with great tempo on offense, which is challenging for the defense. But their ability to run the ball and create balance has been, you know, pretty phenomenal this year. I mean, they run it for like two thirty, pass it for like two ten, whatever. Um, and that kind of balance is always something that uh, is difficult. Uh, their defense is playing really, really good. Uh, they're in the top three or four, you know, in the SEC, uh, ranked nationally, and. You know, negative plays, sacks, tackles for loss, um, you know, and those types of things. Uh, I think Joe Milton is a really good quarterback. They've got three really good runners who have all been very productive. Uh, they've got good skill guys outside. So this is, you know, all, all around, you know, a really, really, you know, good team. So it's important for us, you know, to have a great week of preparation and um, be able to maintain focus and practice in meetings. Uh, and whatever we're doing to be able to carry that forward in a game and be able to sustain it in a game for 60 minutes, which is what it's going to take in a game like this.
1: All right, that's his opening comments. I think we got time for uh, one more clip here uh, before we close out the show. Let me try to find one that we can get in in a couple of minutes. Uh, Let's go with uh, Saban talking about – the offensive line and and on the possibility of, of moving JC Latham to left tackle.
10: Well, he's really a good right tackle. He's played really well. Obviously being SEC offensive lineman of the week, he had a really good game in the last game. And you know, he's big, strong physical. He's the prototype, you know, right tackle that everybody would look for in terms of having a power guy who is effective you know, in being able to pass block well enough. Um, you know, there's, you know, I, I, I guess you always hope that um, if we move the right tackle, to the left tackle, that would make everything better. But I guess the question you have to also ask yourself is, would that make us any better at right tackle? Um, or do you just try to attack the solution of trying to get the left tackle to play to the standard that you need him to play without making multiple changes in the offensive line and so you know we could have a, a debate about that um and nobody really knows the answer to that but we 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 have made a commitment to try to keep some stability with the guys where they're playing and get the guys to play uh, left tackle better. Go
1: to Dick. All right, good stuff. And that's a perfect timing on that. But, again, I think what he said was we're not moving uh, J.C. Latham to left tackle. And we're going to keep him at right tackle, and we're going to keep working with Proctor and Pritchett at left tackle and we're not going to make a bunch of changes in terms of where we play guys on the offensive line. So they're going to try to develop the left tackles and uh, get them to play better, and they'll need to play better this Saturday against Tennessee. All right, this hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. It's uh, good that uh, everybody was with us this morning. We enjoy having you with us. A reminder, catch me on local TV tonight with your sports and with Rodney Orr for Tighter Insider TV tonight at 6.30 on WVUA 23. Then back here tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. This has been the Gary Harris Show on I 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy this gorgeous weather.
0: Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.